Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast in human history where two brothers talk about something they like. And I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other one of those two brothers, and my name is Kevin Hines. And we're not just brothers, okay? We are kind of comedians. We're funny-ish, at least. And uh, we're like, you know, pretty big comics fans. We have been our whole lives. And those that's basically our whole credentials for this podcast. We're also probably closer to death than uh, birth. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the experience of people who are, you know, even if everything goes great, closer mm-hmm. to death than birth. Yeah, I mean, we're at least at the halfway point. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. The road is shorter in front of us than behind. Without yeah, question. yeah, yeah. Unless we have Gadling it. Ooh. Why do you bring up Hop Gadling? Oh, Gadling? because... Hob Gadling, because Kevin, this uh, episode we're going to do a review of the Sandman TV show, and Hob Gadling is a character in the Sandman comic book and television show. Right, Hob is the uh, King of Dreams. Uh, oh, oh no, I'm sorry, you have that. Right? A, a, no, Hob is just a character in one episode. Right, he is the Raven. Who? No, no, um, he's not the Raven, and the Raven's in more than one episode. Oh, he's the guy with teeth in his face. No. He's in almost every episode. That's the Corinthian. Oh, boy. Oh, geez, Louise. I got to admit, I sort of skimmed some of these episodes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're going to do a review of the television show. Then I think we're also going to do mail, Kevin. Yeah, if we got time, we're going to play it by ear. No promises. No problem. We promise I think we'll have time. I think we'll have time, time too. So, um, Kevin, I guess I'm just going to do a little just summary of the show and the comic real quick. I, mean, I guess I should also say like, if it, the show is something you're looking forward to watching or haven't started watching yet, I recommend, uh, uh, the normally we start spoiler light and get spoiler heavy. I would just watch it now. Listen to this, you know, bookmark this episode for a later date after you've watched the show. Okay. If you don't mind spoilers, then listen, cause we're not going to hold back when we're talking about this. We're correct? too disorganized. We're, we're going to have to jump all over the place and we're going to mm-hmm. be like pretty early in the conversation. We'll be like, it's so cool that this happened where, where this is a thing that you might want to be surprised. And by I guess we should try not to spoil future seasons. Yeah, we can do that. That's, that's easy. Uh, not, not possible. Not, not, pro- <laughs> I hope I, that's my hope. Well, well, I think yeah. that's pretty, pretty easy to do. Okay. So, the Sandman uh, is a television show on Netflix that is based on the comic book called The Sandman, which was a DC fantasy book that ran from about 1989 to 1996, somewhere there about 75 mm-hmm. issues. And the comic book was about the King of Dreams, whose name is Morpheus, who's really rarely referred to as the Sandman. But the title of the comic, The Sandman, refers to Morpheus. And the comic is his adventures basically administering the dream world and sometimes you'd get some high level fantasy of sandman like dealing with like other supernatural entities or you'd be focused on like somebody on an earthly realm dealing with something and in the course of their thing they'd run into the king of dreams uh and that's and that was kind of the comic book and it was a horror fantasy comic that was more adult than most brought in a lot of female readers as well as male and it was a huge critical and commercial success for neil gaiman the writer and all the artists who worked on it right yeah it was one of those comics that reached past normal comic book readers and got new readers uh uh, and people who don't read comics normally to read this and maybe it's the only comic they've ever read Uh, we also covered the comic book and on this show will we covered uh, we did like a 10 episode season on the sandman uh like a year and a half ago i would think yeah so if you really want us to go deep on just the comic book i re-listened to a lot of those episodes well we did a pretty good job kev we did a pretty good job yeah yeah we skipped most of what this show covers we skipped about half of the show yeah yeah Yeah. but um uh, we still did a pretty good job just on letting yeah. you know what made the comic good and, and the character no, and stuff like that. I do think we covered three of the issues that were covered in this season, though. That's yeah. actually a high percentage. I was, yeah, we did well on that. Um, so, like the the episodes that were outside of the main arc in the TV show, the ones where they left the main arc just to do an episode of an issue, those were all ones we covered, basically. Yeah. Oh, 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 and this uh, this is such a dumb tangent. Did you? I read recently that Mike Mignola was supposed to draw one of the last few arcs. Oh, I didn't know that. And I think one of the ones Mark Hempel did. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, which, you know, Mark Hempel did a great job, but oh, now I kind of want that. Oh, Mignola would have been such a great that arc. pairing for the Sandman stories. Yeah. He just um, couldn't, like, schedule-wise, he couldn't make it work. And it's like, oh, first of all, 
I mean, he's doing fine money wise, but that's a big chunk of change he missed out on probably from yeah. uh, just perennial sales. But also yeah. his art would have just been so great. Yeah. I feel like Mark Hempel did the kindly ones, the last big arc before the end of the series. So, yeah, I, and I'm not 100% sure that's the arc, but I think that I, also maybe I think Mike might not even be 100% sure which arc he was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so the TV series, so it's been talked about for a long, long time about whether there would be an adaptation of Sandman because it was such a popular comic. It's one of the ones that would get like, you know, fans would speculate on whether it should be, whether it would be a better movie or TV show or stuff like that. And, and I feel like and I would, would read be, rumors of it now yeah. and then it's like, Oh, the Sandman's it's happening. It's happening. And then it would never happen frequently as a movie. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was talk of an HBO show, not that long ago. Maybe, maybe that deal is what this ended up becoming, but what ended up happening was Netflix did an 11 episode season that just dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Neil Gaiman is an executive producer and, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about it. Kevin and I have both watched it. I'm excited. Yeah, to I, hear just, what... I just finished it last night. Okay. Yeah. So I don't even really know what Kevin thinks of it. Um, how should we do this? Do you want to give like an overall take Kevin or, uh, what did you, um, why don't you go first? Okay. I, I feel like you're the bigger fan. I am the bigger Sandman fan of uh, the brothers. You love Sandman. I do. I, I adore. And I've read the comics you know, a huge number of times and yeah. I was devoted and yeah. And I think that's important to say, cause uh, I like Sandman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read it all. Uh, I've read some of it twice, but I don't think I've read every issue twice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, for when I read it or when it hit me, it didn't impact me as much as the people who really love it though. I enjoy it. And I think it's a very good you respect it. And I think it is something I will for sure read again at some point. It's not yeah. something that I'm like, oh, good. I Great. I read Moby Dick. I've done it. Checked off the box. It's like, no, I, I like this. I want to read this again. Well, that, I think that'll uh, be interesting uh, for both of us because I am a huge fan. And that, in a way, is an obstacle when you're watching an adaptation. Right. I think there's pros and cons to both sides. Yes, right? yes. Like, I'm less attached to changes uh, but also I'm probably blind, but I'm not as blinded to just like, ooh, they brought this thing in. Right. You're not going to be as delighted just by them showing showing a character that I'm already invested in. Yeah. But you're also not going to be distraught if they do something different or whatever. Right, right. Exactly. So what was your overall take? Okay, my like, overall your, take. Like, like your one paragraph. I'm just, I'm going to be honest and set up. Sometimes over this podcast, I'll think like, you know what? I should round up my opinions to make them sharper and more pointed. So we get them sweet hits, baby. So we get them sweet downloads. But I'm just yeah, going to say yeah. what I honestly thought, which was um, I was kind of not into it at first. I was kind of bored for the first, like I would say three episodes. I, it was very reverent and respectful of the source material, which I liked, but for some reason I was bored. I actually have theories on why that is, but then about halfway in, it picked up a lot for me and I really enjoyed the second half. And I, so I, either I got acclimated to it or they got better as it went, or just like the comic book, the source material got better as it went. I think that's true of the comic. And I'm excited to see more. Um, so I basically was kind of like, oh God, this is going to be boring. And then I was like, no, oh, I was, I was, I was really into it by the end. I was, I had to work through the first five episodes and then I was binging the last six. So, yeah. That's similar to me. Yeah. I, um, so also I should say sometimes I'm watching things and this is more and more true of me as I get older and more tired all the time yeah, is that I'll watch something and be like, Oh, I hated that episode. But part of me is like, or I was just tired. Yeah. You've mentioned that before. Like almost nothing could have pleased you if you're in that state is what you're saying. Yeah. You're, yeah. Or be... just, yeah. It's just like, uh, it, it's like I'm watching it. Cause I know if I don't watch it now, I won't be able to watch it for a week. And so I'm like, I don't know how much sometimes that affects me, but for sure the first, for me, I think six episodes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or maybe seven. Like uh, I think the last three, I really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um. And then like the first like four or five, I didn't like pretty much at all. Like I, I was like, oh, I, I as I was like, I still like the ideas and the concepts behind these stories, but I'm not that into it. And then I got really into it. But that's all. But also like that in, kind of includes the eleventh one. It wasn't super. St- knocked out of the park by the 11th one which is i think uh, a cool idea which we'll get into but the last three of like the uh the doll's house, house story, story yeah uh i got really into those 
and really enjoyed them. So I think if I'm remembering this right, the first five episodes of the TV show correspond to the what is the initial trade paperback of the Sandman, the first seven issues, yes. which is collected as preludes and nocturnes, which details how the Sandman is captured by like a group of, you know, dark arts magicians in England for almost 100 years. I think they make it 100 years in the TV show. It was less than that in the comic. Yeah, because they get him up to modern time. Yeah. And where in the comic he, he got out in the 80s. It, right. The comic was published in 89, and so in within the continuity, The Sandman escapes in 1989. Um, but uh, um, so – and okay, and so those first five issues detail him getting captured, escaping, and kind of rebuilding what he lost while he was kidnapped. That's the first five episodes. Then there's an episode with his sister, Death, where she kind of cheers him up because he's depressed after that, and that happened in the TV show. Um, and the, oh, they combined that with the Hob episode, right? Yes. So then they do an episode where he gets his sister Death to give the gift of immortality to a man, just basically so he'll have a friend to visit every hundred years. That was the second half of episode six, sort of a standalone adventure of Hob Gadling. Then they do four episodes of the Doll's House, which is where a girl named Rose has a supernatural ability to mess with the dream world and sort of like she causes a lot of chaos for Morpheus and he has to deal with that. And it's a hugely complicated story, but that's the basic idea. And then there was a final bonus 11th episode that was released that did two other standalone issues, Dream of a Thousand Cats and Calliope, right? That was the yes. series. Yeah, that's the series. Yeah, here's... I'll say this right off the bat. It looked great. Like everybody looked so good. They really impressively looked like the characters and they did not look stupid. And that's, that is a challenge for comic book adaptations. Like dream looked like dream and he did not look insane, which sometimes mm -hmm. in the comic, he would look laughable, but I thought he looked sure, great yeah. in the series. Death looked great. Um, everybody looked great. Like, you know, the Corinthian, which is the serial killer nightmare who is terrifying in the book. He looked like the Corinthian and also was scary and charming and cool. Yeah. I, I, after watching the trailer to this show, I was a little nervous because you could tell that the Corinthian was a bigger part of the show than he is of the comics. Yes. Um, and in the show, he shows up in the first episode. Yes. Which he doesn't in the comics. He's no, not in the right. first issue. And so I got a little nervous. Like, it's like, oh, this is going to be like, they're playing up this serial killer character because serial killers are so in vogue in like TV shows and stuff. And I was a little annoyed that like, we're going to get this big Corinthian arc. But that actor was so good. Yeah. And so fun. I, think, I was like, I want more of him. I think <laughs> he was, I think he was the best character in the series. And that's why I enjoyed the back half because it's the story of the Corinthian more. Yeah, and his scenes in the first half were like highlights of those scenes. I He's totally so agree. Like he does a lot of the exposition in that first episode to explain what the Endless are. And it's like, oh, you couldn't have picked a better person to do it because he's so great. He's so great. He's, he just fits really well. And he, and, and he did a great job. And so the Corinthian, who is like a hit character of the comic, like the Corinthian is one of the guys you think of when you're thinking of the same man comics, this terrifying nightmare who's got teeth for eyes. So he wears sunglasses and he kills people and eats their eyes. And then I also think while after he's eaten the eyes, he can see everything that they saw for a while or something like that. He's a he's a he's a gruesome character. But um, yeah, but the actor is just charming. He's like one of those characters. He's like, you know, yeah, they added like this him. thing you, a little bit. You're rooting for him. You're rooting for him in the way that like a cool bad guy you root for. They added this in the TV show, which is everybody's kind of attracted to him. And that's yeah. not really part of the comic, although it fits. So he'll like seduce somebody man or woman and then like murder them that's like yeah what happens in the tv show but it also it, serves the story to have him able to like get information out of people and not have them be scared of him because they're attracted to him and it explains how he kind of gets away with so much everyone just trusts him inherently yeah they want to to do things for him and with him they like corinthian was a them. was a big hit but um everybody truly looked good they also switched uh, gender and race for a lot of the casting, like in the comic, a lot of the characters are white men and they switched a lot of that. Um, yeah. Death's a white woman. And this is Kirby Howell Baptiste. Who's a, a black woman. Lucifer is a white man. This was a white woman playing Lucifer. Um, Lucy. Instead of John Constantine, they have Johanna, Joanna Constantine. 
Um, yeah, instead of Lucian, who is a male librarian, they have Lucien. Uh, but not all that was fine and even good. Like it didn't at that none of that was bad casting. Everybody still embodied the personality that the character was in the comic faithfully. Yeah, I mean it's it's it feels inherently brave to especially for death to do it. Yeah, it shouldn't, but like it feels like well, this death, is a death, death is a, such a huge, hugely popular character and such a hugely popular look. Yes, of this pale white girl to to recast it as a, a black a black woman. woman. Yeah, it feels like a bold choice, but it's also it shouldn't be a bold choice. It should just it should well, be just who cares? These are dream magical characters. But I think the important part is they kept the personalities. Like the yes, really important part of death is that she's joyful and lively which is ironic for death to be the happy one and dream to be the sad one. And she cares about her younger brother, something I personally don't relate to, but I guess some people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Kirby, the actress, uh, she did embody that. Um, She had that, she had that, uh, you know, and that's true of everybody. Like Lucifer was like this menacing, uh, you know, um, terrifying kind of, icy king of hell and the actor who played uh lucifer was that she was that yeah cool uh jo- joanna constantine was just like john constantine sort of unsentimental and a maverick and a rule breaker and uh um so you know that stuff's all cool um they the like i say the behaviors was the same so even though everybody looked different in that they were often different genders or races i would say i mean they were extremely faithful to the comic in terms of the dynamics and the story like very faithful yeah the casting was good and the effects were good uh anytime they did like special effects stuff it looked good it looked it didn't look cheap and cheesy yeah uh uh, there probably are parts where they took like they didn't do things because they were too expensive in the comic or or uh uh did extra things. I don't know, but like it always looked good. There was never a moment where it felt like I was watching a WB special effects show right. or something. Yeah. It looked really good. The casting was good. Um, they were faithful to the story. Um, so if you're a fan, you felt like that they respected the books and that was nice. So now let's get into what didn't work, which, and this is tough, but I think this is true of a lot of the superhero adaptations that we've seen which is like, it's not like bad. You can certainly, we've seen bad adaptations of superhero stuff, witness the Fantastic Four movies um, or the Ben Affleck, Daredevil movie and stuff like, you know, stuff where it's just a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Catwoman, this, you know, nothing, not even close to that at any point in this Netflix right. Sandman series, but it was just kind of lead-footed and boring. Like the stories I would tear through, I loved them. And these felt sort of careful and slow, and I don't know what that is, but I was not psyched to watch future episodes, unlike The Boys. Like, The Boys on Amazon, I would tear through every episode. Yeah, and I think some of this is the pacing. I think the directing wasn't great, uh, not to besmirch the directors specifically, but yeah, it felt paced slow. Like, I wanted, like, each episode just to... And some of this might just be, like, modern tempo that I'm expecting, but... Also, it's like when you read these comics, you set the pace. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so you can read through these things very fast. And it's like there's pauses between each line. It's so weird. Like I'm watching this show and I just finished Better Call Saul, where there'll be like an eight minute sequence of someone making coffee. And I'm staring at the screen riveted. So it's not like dead time from the story is inherently bad. Like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad showed me that I will watch a show even if it's like, well, this guy's cutting and pasting uh, a poster board for the next hour, I'm in. Uh, but in this show, I, I, I was just like, get to the next thing. Like, I, I wanted, weirdly, I wanted more cuts or changes to yeah. tighten it up. Yeah. Uh, and certainly less big gaps, like these 55-minute episodes. I'm like, man, maybe if this was 40 minutes. I have a couple. And, and, and weirdly, the one that I bothered me the most was the hob part, which was only 40 minutes. But I was like, I love that issue. Yes, it's it's one of my all-time favorites. And I felt like that episode was like, fine. Oh, interesting. Like, I wanted to love that episode, but it was like, yeah, it's all here. And it's just not hitting me as hard. And I think it's just because it's slower. And like the, I wonder... the comic, I burned through it. Even the first time I read it, I was like, ooh, I'm hooked and I'm zipping through it. And this one, I'm sort of like, 
And now they're at the bar again. And they're I, I agree with you. I think it is the direction, um, whether it's cuts or, yeah, you know, pacing or something. I have, an, I have two other guesses at what it was. So it's okay. very similar to what you say, but I think that the Sandman's performance could have been different. Um, he certainly is being faithful to the way Sandman is described. Gosh, I don't even remember this actor's name. He, he looks great. And I, I, I'll I, look it up while you're talking. Okay. Uh, and so I bet you this was a decision, a group decision of the actor, the director, the writers, maybe even Neil Gaiman himself, who's an executive producer on this show. But Tom Sturridge. Yes. And it, he looks perfect. And I actually did feel like he was a good actor. It's not that I thought it was a bad performance. I just didn't agree with the strategy, which was he is a cold mechanical almost emotionless guy and that is how he's described in the books pretty uniformly and over the course of the seven to five 75 sandman issue and i feel like i can say this because this begins to happen in the netflix series he starts to melt he starts to become more human and forgiving and compassionate that's like one of the big arcs because he's kidnapped for like 100 years he like isn't such a dick when he gets out Everybody comments on it. But I would say that even though that's faithful, it's lame to have your main character be sort of like unaffected. I would have preferred more of a Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock performance where he's kind of an eccentric sort of Doctor Who time lord. Mm. I'm not that much, but just a yeah. little bit more perturbed, a little bit more angry, a little bit more happy. Um, and I think it would have added a lot of energy. The other, I have a second one, but do you want to respond to no, that? Go, go. No, second go. One, the second one I was- I'll tell you why you're wrong in a minute. Okay, no. <laughs> great. <laughs> I, 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 again, these are guesses. Who knows what I would think if these things had been you know, executed. But um, the other thing was, it seemed to me that at least in the first four episodes and maybe the whole series, characters don't like react to each other at all. It's just like dueling monologues. So like if Joanna Constantine is telling Sandman that, you know, she doesn't care about his threats and she's going to just like go on about her business and she's not scared of him. There's no cut to Sandman to see him kind of going, huh? Or like, what? How dare you see her whole monologue and then you cut to him and he pauses and then he does a whole monologue and you cut back to her. There's no interplay. Like it didn't feel like a conversation. One reason I actually did like the Hob episode better was the guy who played Hob was so lively and engaged that it he reacted to Sandman, to Morpheus. Uh, and I thought that helped. Um, I don't know. So I just, I was like, what if I'm an, if I'm acting in the Sandman series, I feel like I don't get it. You just, you just say the words and you don't do anything with your face. Looks that seems yeah. to be how they were all directed. Yeah, and I think some of that is being too faithful of the comics, right? It's like get the words down. Yeah, is right. the most important part, and let the words carry you. Um, I, I so as far as the Hob episode, I was most disappointed by it because I was the most excited for it when I realized they were yes. doing that episode. Yes, yes, because I love that issue. But also, yeah, I mean, I think I like that one more than the preceding ones. But I still wasn't hooked at that point. And when that one didn't hook me, I was like, I just don't think this show is going to get me. And I was sort yeah. of surprised it got me during the Doll's House story. Um, uh, it's interesting, yeah. The 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 quirky Sandman version, or the, the Sherlocky, or the, uh, <laughs> the Time Lord, maybe the worst way to say it, but like the Sheldon Cooper, uh, yeah. take on the Sandman, sort of like, yeah, uh, uh, would have been interesting, but not that big, obviously. I also wonder if giving him a little bit more of not a sense of humor, but like a straight man's sense of humor. Like one of the best lines in that first half is when Matthew says, like, if you let me go, we won't have to have this conversation again. And he goes, he has some line where he's basically like, that is a convincing argument or something like that. Yes, yes. Like there's a straight man response that like, Okay, now you're getting me. Well, you know, it's interesting. I wanted a little more of that sort of that that fun straight man comedy, which is what the Sandman is in yes. later arcs. The the arrival of Matthew the Raven, who becomes like sort of a almost like a Jiminy Cricket to Morpheus's Pinocchio uh, in the comics, helped a lot. That's voiced by Pat Oswalt, comedian, and you know Matthew was fun in the series in the TV yeah. show, and that added some energy. And as we went along, we were accumulating more of those. We saw Merv Pumpkinhead who's like the janitor of the dreaming. And he's a very silly buffoonish character. Luce, Lucien gets more involved a little bit. And mm -hmm. uh, Matthew, 
um, and even the Corinthian and like just people are talking to Sandman and death. And so like that helps. Yeah. Like there's more personal interactions as the show goes on. And that really adds a lot. Patton Oswalt's voice took me a long time to become accustomed to in the show. It was because it that not that I don't really think in voices that much. Uh-huh. But I always pictured Matthew as more of just like a down to earth like a Brooklyn uh, guy. guy or something. Yeah, almost like that, right. And and Patton Oswald is sort of like he's funny and silly and goofy in my mind. So that voice I associate with Patton Oswald. I agree. Like not it's not that, what I pictured by, for Matthew by, at by all. By the last couple episodes, by the last couple episodes, I was used to it and they like fit or they were writing to it better or directing to it better or animating to it better. Yeah. But those first few, I was like, yeah, this isn't Matthew. This isn't Matthew. So uh, that was like the one place where the casting didn't quite work for me. But again, by the end, I didn't care. I was like, no, now I'm into it. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother, Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts, a slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, we might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks. In advance from Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Also, there's one, you know, despite how good it looked, another another sort of like, I'm just trying to figure out why I wasn't grabbed at first. And I was so grabbed by the Sandman comic when I originally read it. Even though it looked so good and it was faithful, there's something about comic book art that it casts a spell of fear more easily. Like the the people doing the rituals and capturing dream in the comic. Like I think when you open on the first issue of Sandman, the comic book, they are performing the ritual. You know, they're saying things like um, a coin from a dead man, you know, and like a claw from this and like the, the blood of a, whatever. Um, I'm it, It's chilling. And in a TV show, it looks kind of, it looks, sounds a little, who cares? Not goofy, but it looks like, okay, who cares? Yeah. What, what's happening here? I don't, you haven't told me what's at stake. Somehow that there's no sense of forward momentum or suspense. Well, yeah, but, I mean, when you're and Neil Gaiman's a great writer. And so what he does when he writes a comic, I assume, is he's writing to the artist. He's seen this artist's style. Yeah. And he's writing knowing that style going in before he's not like he wrote the issues and then like who's gonna draw it? We'll figure it out later. I don't think. I think he is writing it to an artist to play to their strengths. Yeah. But now we're taking that same writing and saying, well, now this writing is going to look the same for every episode. I think so was... you lose some of that. Like Sam Keith's art is not there and you can't have it for that first arc because and, it's not written for Sam Keith's art. And it's just it's moving and it's not still. And yeah. so um, it's harder to be it's it's harder to render that sort yeah. of in between magic feeling. I mean, like, I, Go finish up. I was interrupting. Um, that that's okay. I was going to say. I think still art puts you under a spell easier mm -hmm. than moving images. I mean, we talked about when we covered that 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 first arc by Sam Keith had sort of a EC Comics feel to it. Yes, like a which tales from like the crypt, very sort. exaggerated, bulbous noses and giant eyes, and also just like shadows like... under the the noses and the chins, right? Like mm -hmm. those tales from the crypt stories those EC comic stories and the first Sandman arc, everyone looks like they are evil and yeah. that like, they're going to be punished by the forces of the world soon, or they're going to invoke some horrible fate. Like, um, you know, that, that that's in the atmosphere of the art. And that wasn't in the TV show. And I, I'm not even sure it could be. Yeah. I sort of feel like, I mean, I, Another thing we talked about when we covered the podcast and you sort of alluded to is like that first arc is probably my least favorite. And a lot of people feel that way. Entire a lot of people feel that way. 75 issues. Um, and I sort of wish that those first five episodes were two episodes. Like, I think, I think you right. could have gotten all. I think you're right. I think he could have gotten his helmet, gotten the gem, gotten the sand and not really lost that much. I think it could have been two episodes. Maybe three, certainly not five. 
was it five? Was episode five the last one, or was episode uh, five the the? I'm gonna uh, look, I'll look it up while you're talking. Episode. I feel like that's right, but I'm gonna look um, it up while you're talking. Um, but whatever it was, like, just just like get to the good stuff. I don't know if, if I wrote a book, if I wrote Sandman, and I looked back, I was like, ah, you know, I'm not gonna. I don't want to change anything. I'm not gonna Lucas it, but. Those first four issues, I didn't really know what I had. Those first five issues, I didn't know what I had. And then I got a feel for it. I yes, would have done them differently knowing what I told. You're right. It I was, would correct that in the show. It, it was, was five, what? and then six is the death episode. Yeah, I think that's what you said before, and I just couldn't yeah. remember. Uh, uh, so I just, like, it certainly should have been five. Three at most. Let's talk about another signature issue from the series, which is the diner issue. So. Yeah. This is where John D. Uh, and I didn't name? remember this story at all from the comics. Okay, so this is this is like an iconic issue from the Sandman comics. This yeah. is like Sandman has been freed, but he's lost his ruby amulet, yeah. which has the power. Whoever's holding it basically can kind of they have control over reality. They can yeah. make dreams come true, but that means they can make whatever they want come true. They basically yeah. have omnipotent power if they're holding the ruby necklace. I mean, I vaguely remember him having to get the ruby and getting it from whatever that supervillain's name is. Uh, Dr. Destiny? Dr. Destiny, yeah. I remember that happened, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that interaction was like without... What, what, what's the story? The comic is this evil villain, John D, or Dr. Destiny, is revealed to... The, the ruby necklace has fallen into his hands through various reasons, and he's testing its power, and he goes to a diner, and for 24 hours, he just tortures everybody in the diner, slowly. He does things like he makes them admit secrets to each other. He makes them have sex with each other. He makes them mutilate each other. He makes them call up their loved ones and say horrible things. And um, the specifics of the torture in the story are kind of so startlingly gruesome that when you're reading it, uh, it, it it's, it's uh, affecting. It's very like scary and like nuts. And, um, and at the end, Sam in defeats him and gets his Ruby necklace back. But it was like, it had the feeling of a bottle episode. Like it's all in a diner. It's one day. It's terrifying. Also the, you learn about the, there's like eight people or something in the diner or six, I think. And you learn about each of their stories and that, you know, Neil has a really good talent for having a side character very quickly have an interesting backstory. So all six of them are like interesting little biographies. Uh, all within whatever however many pages are in a comic book, 22 pages, whatever it was. Um, and so it was like really impressive. And that the next issue is where death gets introduced, another very impressive issue. So the diner issue followed by death was like a one-two punch in the comics that's like, whoa, this series is going to be something really special. And yet the TV episode of the diner, really good actors, kind of a dud. It's kind of a dud. Yeah, I was I that was a drag of an episode. I was watching it going like this sh should work, right? It should be like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, like, absolutely. It feels like that sort of thing. And I just didn't care about any of it. And it's some of the and I think it's all it's got to be the directing of it. Because uh, like, again, the content should work. And I think it could have been faster for sure. But it also could have just maybe just been. Uh, yeah, it it just felt slow. And like by the time he started torturing them, it's like, well, I knew you were going to do this 20 minutes ago. Yeah. I've been waiting for this shoe to drop. Yep. Uh, like the, the car ride with the woman, the nice woman was more exciting than the diner sequence. Yeah, uh, I agree. And even that wasn't great, but it was that was OK. Yeah. And I really yep. love that actor. Um, oh, I thought I thought the actor was great. Like I can't. It's yeah. hard for me to blame the, the cast. That's uh, what I'm saying. I really love that. Oh, actor. you love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Thewlis. Yeah, he's just he's a really fun actor. He was terrific in Fargo. Yeah, he's so good in Fargo. I just sort of like him immediately. I mean, he was good in this too. It's not like you're watching his performance and like this guy's bad. You don't think that when you're watching it. Never at all. Um, I think you know it's the other interesting thing about thing about that episode in particular was they they actually made him a bit more um in the comic, he's just kind of sadistic for almost no reason. Um, he sort of is just like a villain who just like tortures people. Yeah. It's just like, what if ultimate power fell into the Joker's hands kind of story? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, a psychopath, but like they tried to add in a little bit more specific emotional trauma and like that he's 
after honesty and truth. Like whenever somebody lies, he punishes them. And a lot of his way of torturing them is by using their own real thoughts against them and stuff like that, which is not really in the comic. And I would think that would make it better, but it had no effect on me. I was like, yeah. who, who cares? That's what made it feel like a Twilight Zone episode. Like it had like a a thread Moral like or something. That. But uh, yeah, it was just I just didn't care, and I was just waiting for it to end. And I at that point I was watching it like homework, which I say sometimes about superhero shows that I watch. I'm like, ah. yes, I felt and that if it too. wasn't Sandman, and if it wasn't like a show you loved, I probably would have stopped watching it at that point because I was like, yeah. ah, I just don't think I like. I probably would have watched one more because I knew this death episode was next. Um. But I'm glad I kept watching it. I'm glad I, I, I finished up because, again, the last three episodes gave me hope for a future season. And I hope, like, if they do a future season, it's tightened up just a little bit. I think that'll make a huge difference. I and, mean, I, you know, those arcs are great. You know, but the the other thing I'm thinking is the actual arcs of the comic books, Doll's House is better than Prelude and Nocturnes. And that's yeah. borne out in the show. So and then the next arcs, which we're not going to spoil, they're even better. So maybe yeah. that will keep happening. But th- that, again, that's just where I'm like, if this first arc, and maybe Neil Gaiman doesn't agree, or maybe whoever produced the show doesn't agree with that, but it's like, if, if, if this arc isn't as good, let's shrink it down. Let's get through it. Let's not spend more time on it. Yeah, it feels like half an episode could have been the bag of sand and the second half, the helmet or something like that. I think that first episode could have been 10, 15 minutes. And even um, though I think it was I good, think you're right. I was, think you're right. well done. It was just like... It's like, I, I don't know. It just didn't do much. You'd have to cut a lot, obviously. You want you want Commissioner Gordon in there is what you want. I mean, honestly, hey, I got, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> Gary, if Gary Oldman shows up or uh, whoever played him in the Batman, uh, that guy was great, too. Either Commissioner Gordon. I'll take him. I'll take the guy from uh, Batman 66. Faith <laughs> Begora. I'll take him. Bring him in. All what three a, of them. What a tonal shift. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was interesting. It's interesting as a fan of the comic to be given a series that's so faithful, looks so good, was given so much attention. And yet I was only really satisfied with the second half. It's weird. I felt like almost Do you have like any, greedy. Any specific thoughts about the doll's house sequence? Because we sort of haven't talked about that at all other than we like we both liked that. Yes. So we said the Corinthian, the serial killer character, is a huge part of the reason why um, I, I did like that. But what I like about the doll's house in the comics and in the TV show is the main story is not as interesting to me as the sort of parade of characters that you meet. Like the main character Rose. Oh gosh. What's your last name? Rose Walker is, has is what's called a dream vortex, which is an occasional phenomenon where a creature is given the power to sort of like wreck dream. She's like a dream black hole. She sucks all dreams towards her or something. It's kind yeah. of not too specific, but she basically like has power over the dream world and dream can't necessarily control her. Uh, and so and so the the arc is Sandman has to contain or maybe kill her. And then it turns out, spoiler, that she is the great grandson of Desire, Dream's brother. And if you Desire's trying to trick Sandman into killing a blood relative, which will mm-hmm. So make all kinds of consequences happen. Yeah, I really like the part where the younger sibling tried to kill the older sibling. I thought that was neat. You said that that's interesting. That part really spoke to you. Uh, yeah, I thought that I think most people would probably feel that. I felt like that was very forbidden and sort of mm. evil in a way that turned my evil. I took that as like the the hero's journey. <laughs> Desire you saw as the hero's journey, trying <laughs> yeah, to get right, trying to get right. her older sibling just murdered. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But like that that story is like not the star of the doll's house. Like I yes. actually even kind of forget that that's what the doll's house is about when I think about it. Yeah, I, I think forgot, about I forgot about the desires uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I mean theoretically that's like the big reveal at the end and the big like twist, but I don't even remember like the it's like just sort of like Watchmen or Lost. It's the individual story of the different characters, which is the fun part. Like Rose goes to live in essentially an Airbnb for a while and all of the other tenants, she sees all of their dreams because of her like thing. And so learning about them is the fun part. Uh, right. Learning about the nightmares who have escaped from the dream world, uh, Fiddler's Green, Corinthian, um, the other one whose name I'm the forgetting. Gate? Something like that. Yeah. Um, 
th- th- those stories are interesting. Uh, there's a serial killer convention, a convention of just like serial killers who meet to like learn from each other. And the Corinthian is invited as guest speaker. And that's like this kind of darkly comic, silly thing. But all of those characters are interesting. Um, and so uh, Lyda Hall, who gets pregnant in her dream, um, uh, Unity Kincaid, like those are all interesting little uh, characters. And so it's kind of like, Nobody stays too long. You're just given another cool story, another cool story. That's what was fun about reading The Doll's House. And that was fun in this in this TV episodes also. It's almost like if you spend too long with anybody, the spell is broken. But if you bounce right to somebody else, it's fun. Yeah. And, and there's silly <laughs> characters to some extent. You have Ken and Barbie and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was sort of fun work in the, small doses. Yeah, exactly. Like to have a sort of like perfect looking couple called Ken and Barbie but they're only in there for like a scene here or there. It's great. They're a delight. They're fun. Of course, Barbie ends up being the star of a future arc. Yeah, which I didn't like the first time I read and loved the second time I read. So I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope it happens. Um, as, a, as a young as a young kid, I was like, that was sort of like so wordy. I remember it losing me. Yeah. Um, and now uh, when we reread it, I reread it at some point and liked it. And when we reread it for our podcast, I liked it even more. And now I'm a... Uh, I don't know if we read it for the podcast, but I think I reread it in the covering of our podcast. Anyway, we, I'm excited to get to We it. did an issue of uh, Game of You on the, on our podcast. Right. Um, um so I, I really I really um I think so, I think so it, the parade we had of mixed characters reactions, I think. We had mixed reactions. I want to say two other things. The their choice of what stories to focus on, I was really like they gave, you know, they told the story of Hob. Kevin, that's one of your favorite issues, if not yes. your favorite issue of Sandman. And it's and that's one of fans' favorite as well. Mm-hmm. They have the death issue, which is another like standout fan favorite issue. They did Calliope. I was really surprised they did Calliope because they did they handled the uh the dark matter of that really well too. The assault. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I agree. Like and they also did Dream of a Thousand. I, I you know what? I kind of am not surprised they did Dream of a Thousand Cats because that is like a very famous Sandman issue. I, I don't particularly love that as much as it's a claim, mm-hmm. but I thought the adaptation was great. I think I like that more than the comic. And that was only 10 minutes or so. Maybe that's short. why. Yeah. Just like it was a short little story. I, I liked the Calliope. I wished it was shorter as well. I think if, if Calliope, they shaved 10 minutes off that one, I think I would have really loved it because I think it is a great, fun, interesting story. But like, it's some of I it think is you're I right. know where it's going, but like, I got it. I get so far ahead of it. I think you're right. Um, by the time he is spouting out all the the plot ideas stories, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. Now what? <laughs> Get to you the might next be right. Thing. It might just be a matter of cutting ten minutes. Um, Calliope is the story of a writer who's published a book and is out of ideas, and so he kidnaps a Greek muse and forces her to give him ideas, which works until the Sandman intervenes and and defeats him. And there is a sexual assault in that story. And in the comic, it's it's not cavalier. It's presented as an act of evil and violence, but it is like presented pretty like um, it's there. It's, it's 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 a it's shown and it's like it's disturbing, right? And yeah, I was I thought they might cut it out because you don't totally need it, but they didn't show it. They refer to it. They don't hide from it. It's still, but they, I don't know. They handled it well. I thought. Well, it's implied at first. Yeah, and you don't see it or hear about it, but it's it's heavily hinted, and then it is uh, later on you hear that it happened. Yes, uh, which I thought was a good way to handle it, where it's it would have been stomach churning to have to watch that. I feel like I was worried that they were going to. It serves the story to have this writer be a villain. Like you could feel sorry for this guy; he's got a lot of pressure to come up with ideas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if he has a Greek muse and merely puts flowers at the foot of the bed and asks for help. He's not a bad guy per se. Yeah. I mean, the idea is also in Calliope where he's like, I'm a, I think I'm a feminist writer or whatever. Yeah. All that like stuff he, is so great. And I, and I think it, it didn't hit me as hard as I wanted it to, because I think it was just a little slow, but those mo- those ideas, again, I think the idea this is a dumb thing to say about the same man. The ideas are so, so strong that they still make the show good. Even when it, I think it was presented to me badly. But I was like, oh, this should be great. It's funny how ahead of the time that story was like in that story, which came out in whatever, 1991 or something. 
he's kidnapped a young woman and is exploiting her abilities for ideas. But his public face is, I'm a feminist writer. And he's betting women all over the place, insisting on having like 50% female uh, yeah. you know, crew members on his movie adaptations and making a big show of it. I mean, that hits even more in our era of like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, that's really, that's, he, that's really just taken from the, from the comic. Yeah. This is a, this guy's for us. And you find out, Oh no, he's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, you might be right. Just like maybe a little editing or something, but I, I felt like the show was really headed in the right direction. And I think if they're given another season, it'll really cook. So yeah, I'd be excited to see another season. I certainly want more. Um, I've posted about this on all my social medias. I'm tired of uh, like Neil Gaiman is basically like, we have not been picked up for a season two yet. Uh, hopefully people watch this show fast. So we get ca- it counts towards their metrics. I hate that. I hate that. Like yeah. these streaming networks are like, Oh, if you don't watch it fast enough, that means you don't like it enough. So we're not going to make more. It's like, that can't be the best way to monetize or measure this stuff. I think Sandman would have been better if it was released week to week. Um, yeah, I think so too. People could have talked about it and it could have built up an audience. And then like, they would have had people, I don't know, whatever. I think yeah. Netflix would have had people tuning in every week. And then instead of having like a good weekend, they would have 11 weeks of people tuning in and seeing advertisements for whatever other Netflix shows exist. Yeah. They, maybe they drop two to start or something like yeah, that. Maybe. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I also like I like how ferociously you're going after on social media, Kevin. I like to see you really going after it. I just I see creators of shows being just like, if you like my show, you got to watch it all this weekend. If you want more of it, and I'm like, and I get why they're doing it. They're not doing it because they're bad creators. Not yeah. just Neil Gaiman. I've seen it for other shows, but I'm just like, it's not my fault. <laughs> Don't get mad yeah. at me for not watching your show right. Yeah, get mad at the streaming service for not measuring my love of this show more. Yeah, I don't I can't I can't binge anything anymore, obviously. But even when I could, I don't love them. That was not the most enjoyable way for me to watch a show. Yeah, I, I agree. Anyway, uh, some people a- love that way. Uh, and But for them, it's like, wait till the show's all out and you can binge it or whatever. <laughs> how are you feeling about mail? Uh, how long have we talked? I wonder. I don't know. Just under an hour. Um, let's how about we do. Um, how about I read reviews? Okay. Hold on. Something just popped up. There we go. Uh, uh, how about we do... Was that Netflix texting you <laughs> that they heard you sent talking me an email. About? They're mad. I just lost my Netflix account. They raised it a dollar. Oh, shoot. And I'm going to keep it. <laughs> they got me. Um, how about we read, I read... I've been talking about this for a while. How about if I read some reviews we've gotten on our podcast? Uh, let's do it because we've been talking about doing this. Let's let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're fun. So, just to remind you, a while back, a long while back at this point, I read a review that I uh, our worst review, which I thought was funny. Okay. And it was this. It was the. Uh, it was three stars from okay. Rick. And he goes, <laughs> "I don't care." Drinking game is the subject of this review. Uh huh. Here's a good drinking game. Every time Jimmy Linguini says the following, take one <laughs> shot. I don't know. I don't care. Do what you want. I used to work for CBS. Pump and dump. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Shut up, Coy. You don't know what you're talking about. Pro level. Drink continuously from a pitcher of beer whenever the podcast grounds to a halt while the host looks up something on their smartphones. <laughs> so this is not a review of our podcast. Uh, and it was very, very funny. And I read it all the time. Uh, and so I, I read this on a podcast and then we talked about, we want more people to give us reviews. And I don't remember if we specifically asked for Jimmy Linguini references. We but definitely did seen not them coming. Yeah. Uh, and so these are the reviews we've gotten since that time. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, okay. This is May 11th from Chris. Jimmy the Milksop is the subject. Five stars. <laughs> Jimmy Linguini doesn't care what you do and used to work for CVS. Listen to these two Milksop brothers, the only two brothers in human history. Uh, discuss your favorite comic book hero, Jimmy Linguini. <laughs> Love it. Love it. We're the only brothers in human history. <laughs> I mean, that's bad for the human race. Uh, 
uh, al dente is the is the subject of this <laughs> review from g toledo uh, jimmy linguini and peter pasta always leave you asking for another serving five stars <laughs> so that's great here's another one from burn appetite 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 burn appetite yep. mm-hmm. uh, uh jimmy linguini I love Jimmy Linguini. Faith part when he talks about CBS. Five stars. <laughs> uh, this is from Disgust 462. Subject, Comiconia. Brothers making pasta and talking comics. What more can you ask for? <laughs> um, so that's really good. Uh, this one's not about pasta, but I also really enjoy this one. It's, its subject is, do you want to play a game from Dan Wars? I'm a big fan of these cowards. The show is great for comic fans and also fans of the seminal techno-adventure thriller War Games. Yeah, thriller. <laughs> be, be warned. There's more comic book content than War Games content. Recommend. Uh, I, love, I love that that's in our, our review. Uh, uh, our, our most recent review, August 4th in the Psy Guy subject, but brothers is just, I just like that they're brothers. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> so those are some really good reviews from people. Well, uh, so are... thank you guys for those reviews. Those are re- they do help probably people discover our podcast. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, um, yeah. If you, we never we always forget to ask for this, but if you'd like to rate and review us, that does help. So please do that. Yeah, and um, I, I, I we probably have reviews on other like Spotify and things like that. I'm not on those. So we don't. We don't know them. how to find that stuff. But, but um, I appreciate them just as much, even though I'm not reading them. I should look because I'm. I bet there's a Jimmy Linguini one on Spotify or on. Uh, what is the original Jimmy Linguini podcast? I just tried to I Google it. I can't. No find idea. It. I have no is there idea a po- obviously a- there's a podcast where somebody goes by the name of Jimmy Linguini and it's like a sports podcast or something. I got no idea. But if you know, I guess let us know. So if you um, want to email us about anything we've talked about, screw it comics at Gmail. That's our email address. You can let us know what you think of the Sandman series or Jimmy Linguini, or podcasts or Brotherhood. Um, or anything you'd like. Also, and, I guess, Will, you're going to have to put a break in this episode because we didn't take one. Yeah, I'll find So it, let me know. Email us if there's technical difficulties and wherever Will shoved in that break. That happens sometimes. It does happen. Um, yeah, let us know uh, if um, if we have once again published an episode with a huge technical problem in it, which I do, <laughs> I'd say, every 10 or 11 episodes, probably. We're due. We're due for one. We're due. Yeah, so... Um, you can email us. We also have a Twitter account, Screw It Comics, and an Instagram account, Screw It Comics. I really do highly recommend the the Instagram account. Kevin does it, and he does a really great job of finding really good images that go with what we're talking about. So next episode, which we said we were going to do this episode, but we really are. Next episode, we're going to talk about some X-Men comics. Yeah, the next three issues, which is... 189, 190, 191. Which uh, I enjoyed. That's a teaser. Okay, yeah, I half enjoyed them, so I'll be interested oh. to getting getting in that with you. Oh, sorry, there weren't enough brood in it for you, Will. I was waiting for some brood. All right. Um, all right, so I'll see you next episode, Kevin. See you next episode, everybody. Bye. Bye. Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics. comics.